Incoming transmission. The Klingon word of the day is Kong. These are the voyages of the starship Enterprise. So, this is a huge victory for the good guys. Scotty, beam me up. Resistance is futile. Live long and prosper. Welcome to the Computer Resume Podcast, the show covering the entire Star Trek franchise in chronological order for fans new and old. I'm your host, writer-comedian, Mr. Todd A. Davis. Folks, if you take issue with the order in which I do things here on the show, feel free to take it up with this guy, creator of the Star Trek Chronology Project. It's Jason Keener! Yeah! <laughs> Jason! <laughs> How you doing, man? Good to be Good. Good. good yeah it's good to be here again man it's uh it's always fun to talk star trek with like-minded people so yes yes yeah. our yep. it so um last time you were on we discussed what was the episode we talked about last time it was during enterprise do you remember the episode yeah. yes it oh it was a, a better yes, podcast it was, host would have had this no no i remember <laughs> it was um you know i can't remember the name of it that's terrible um but it was the vulcan zombie episode in oh, the third yeah. season of the Zindi Arc, uh, Impulse, I think it's called. Yes, yes, I'm um, looking at it right now. Yeah, you're right. It's um, yeah, yeah, that was a really good one. So that came out uh, March of last year. So you, uh, it hasn't been a year since your last appearance, but you're getting pretty close. Getting close. Yeah. <laughs> how, how have you? Uh, how have you been? Like, what's been going on in your world? How are your holidays? Uh, we're recording this just, uh, just over a week into 2023. Um, but yeah. how, how, no, how are uh, things going? How's the family? How's work? Yeah. Uh, yeah. It works fine. I have three small kids, so life is pretty crazy with that. And, yeah. um, uh, I have twins that are seven and then I have a five-year-old oh. and it's funny, um, with, with my job, I actually have off the week between Christmas and New Year's every year. It's like a free week off. I don't have to use vacation time, which is awesome. Yeah. But it was more awesome before, you know, I had kids who also had that week off. <laughs> <laughs> of course. So you're, just, you're just home. You're just home all week trying to entertain small children. But no, it's, it's, it's fun. Um, my son and I are really into this thing called Bakugan, which is... Um, I'm not familiar with that. Yeah, it's like these little toys. They're like, it's like it's like Pokemon kind of, but it's like they they all roll into these little balls, and it's like a TCG, so like Magic the Gathering or whatever. So you play oh. this card game. There's kind of a skill element with it too, where you roll these toys and they have to roll over these like magnets and pop open. And anyway, it's super nerdy, but it's fun to have a kid hey. who is like. There's there's worse ways to spend your time. <laughs> and actually, that's one of those things where he just like for his birthday last year, he's like, I want a couple of Bakugan. I'm like, what is that? I don't even know what that is. So he got like somebody got him a few. And then I started like looking into it. And then I went way down the rabbit hole. And I'm probably like, you know, hey dude, you you want to like I'm usually the one that's asking him if he wants to <laughs> seven and I'm you know 43, but hey, no, nah, it's, it's it's fun, you know. Yeah, and, and well, I, the, I haven't uh... quite gotten him into Star Trek yet which is probably a crime there's time but i want him to be old enough that he kind of gets it a little bit more you know yeah absolutely i mean 
I think, and this kind of leads into what I was going to ask you next about, um, about new Trek. And, you know, since, you know, mm. there's been, uh, quite a few episodes of new Trek stuff been, yeah. uh, put out there in the world since you were last on, um, prodigy looks like it's the show that is easiest to easiest to access for, for new Trek for, or sure. for, for people who are new to Trek, yeah. um, especially kids. Yeah. Um, but you know, and I might get my podcast nerd card taken away for this. <laughs> Would you be opposed to starting him on star Wars? So he has seen star Wars. He has. Okay. Um, All right. He's seen the original trilogy at this point. Um, you're a good, you're he, a good dad. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He and my daughter, cause they're twins. Um, mm-hmm. They've seen, I think they've seen all three. My youngest has only seen A New Hope because there's some scary stuff in Empire and Jedi that is a little scary. But um, yeah, no, he he loves Star Wars. He's definitely curious about about Star Trek. It's funny. I, I'm I'm way overthinking this, and I know that I am. But <laughs> you know, Star Trek just has so much more. Like like at the end of the day, Star Wars is an action fantasy franchise. Yeah, you know, and yeah. it's great. Nothing against it, but that's that's what it is. You know. Mm-hmm. Whereas Star Trek just has so many more like philosophical underpinnings and like more to think about. It's a little slower. Like I feel like he'll get bored with it because he won't appreciate that aspect of it. It's not, it's not right. as swashbuckling and action. I mean, some of the newer stuff is a little, you know, so I kind of just want to wait until he's a little older. Cause I feel like if I show it to him now and he's bored by it, he's not, he's just going to remember that. And he's not, you know, he or, or, yeah. or she like either one. Um, isn't going to be into it. So I'm like, I'm just kind of waiting for the right moment until I can get him into it. And then, oh yeah, then it'll be, we'll probably go the whole way through the chronology. <laughs> it's a good thing you're keeping track of everything. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, I was going to yeah. say, you know, uh, and I've mentioned this a couple times here on the show about my philosophy about Star Trek versus Star Wars. Um, and I always felt like Star Wars is very coming of age learning who you are, kind of breaking away from your parents and, you know, becoming your own person. Whereas Star Trek is kind of, okay, this is how we're supposed to be in the world. This is how we interact with others. And there's people that are going to be different from you and that's, and that's okay. And stuff like that. So I always feel like Star Wars helps you figure out who you are. Star Trek helps you figure out what to do or where to go or how to be. So, so along those lines, yeah. um, which is why, you know, again, nerds get in the comments, do whatever, feel free to send all your hate mail to at Justin underscore Bishop. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, with, with that sort of thing, it, there's not really a right or wrong way to do it. Like, no, there's some scary stuff in star Wars, you know, and different kids react differently to different things. There's some scary stuff in star Trek, like, especially with, you know, with the, technology that they have now to make these aliens look super realistic (laughs) yeah the new stuff could really freak out a kid yeah honestly even even back then i remember oh man do you remember when the borg were actually scary (laughs) yeah (laughs) like they've kind of they've kind of nerfed them a little bit uh, which is (laughs) which is hard which is hard not to do when you want to continue to tell stories about them but man when they were new like i remember as a kid watching like q who and best of both worlds and thinking man that just freaks it's weird. Freaked me out. That whole like, well, I think I might have mentioned this last time we were talking about the zombie stuff, but that that whole concept of uh, losing your kind of free will, you know, like yeah. like what happens to Picard or what happens to Bork, that just has always just 
freaked me out. So I, I found the Borg uh, legitimately scary as a kid. Oh, yeah. And rightly so. I mean, beside, I mean, you know, when you look at them, you know, if you look at them under fluorescent lights and with a wide angle lens, you're like, oh, there's the padding and there's the zipper on the costume and the whole yeah, thing. Yeah. But like the combination of makeup effects, uh, camera angles, lighting, sound, prosthetics, you know, they got those. Yeah. They almost all have a very weird thing attached to one or multiple limbs. Yeah, um, yeah it's it's freaky. Yeah, it's yeah, really wild. It um, but yeah, so uh, for for those of you who don't know who Jason is, um, but have been listening to this show, or maybe this is your first episode, in which case, welcome. Uh, I've structured my show, Computer Resume Podcast, off of the work of Mr. Jason Keener. He has painstakingly put together the Star Trek chronology project, um, analyzing it through uh, star dates, through yeah. uh, time, through time travel, through us, uh, through narrative structure to yep. put together a beginning to end and updates it pretty regularly. Yeah. Any, anytime new seasons come out. I, I don't do it episode by episode. I think I was telling you off air a little bit that just mm -hmm. because of the nature of how it's set up, it's it's kind of tedious to update. It's right. an old it's an old thing. Uh, I'm an old guy and I set it up years ago and haven't moved it. But it uh, so I usually wait for like a season to end and then I'll just put the whole season in, which now is easy to do because the seasons are so serialized. It's yeah. not like they're gonna really go like every other with something that's already on. Like the season will exist in its entirety at some point in the in the chronology so i could take all 10 episodes and just kind of dump them in where they go yeah so it's kind of easy now yeah with the with the way that paramount plus is sort of structuring their seasons as opposed to 24 26 episode seasons you've got 10 to 12 really tight yeah. you know um very tight episodes and i would i would imagine that's much easier to update the list with cuz i well, mean well yeah because they just plug to, them in. I, are we, have we cracked 900 episodes yet? I don't, you know, I should look at my site. I don't know. <laughs> uh, I don't, I don't think it's We're pretty quite, close. Yeah, it's, it's close. No, you know what? I don't, I don't think it is. Um, uh, oh, I don't know. I don't have time to look it up right now. I, I feel like it's closer to that 800 mark, but I could be wrong. I know, um, I know we passed 800. We definitely passed 800, but the seasons, I, I the newer seasons are, are so ago. short. That it's not, yeah. you know, yeah. so it might be in like 830, 840, probably somewhere in there. Yeah, that's that sounds close. Yeah, they should be about midway, I think, right about now yeah. with the seasons being shorter, like you said. Um, so for those of you ha who have been listening to the show for a while and do remember the last time Jason came on, this question uh, will be uh, enjoyed by them. Have you have you taken any more consideration into putting all of the animated stuff in there yet oh, you know i i have it's 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 funny you know i think i was i was telling you earlier before we started recording that i really just made that thing for me and i put yeah. it online just so it would live somewhere where like i wouldn't have to transfer it from computer to computer i mean this was back before clouds were as much a thing yeah and um and uh so i still you know in my heart of hearts I'm, i still kind of do it for me um but I have thought about doing a parallel page on the site so I can keep the one just live action and do another one where I integrate all the, cause there is more and more animated stuff coming out. Um, yeah. Yeah. Like the original animated series, I could see that 
being fine. I struggle with tone uh, with things like lower decks. I love lower decks. I find it extremely entertaining. Yeah. Uh, it's one of my favorite, easily one of my favorite new Trek shows. Um, but I, when I think through like a cohesive universe, you know, mm-hmm. which is kind of the point of the chronology project, it's like I can watch all these events unfold as they happen in mm-hmm. the universe. Yeah. Lower Decks, stuff like Lower Decks just sort of breaks that for me a little bit because it's like, you know, I think the, the example I like to give is the Riker in Lower Decks is not the same Riker. Like he, he's a parody of, of Riker. But if, if that was a live action show and he behaved that way, people would be like, is this a weird Q episode? Has someone taken over, you know, Riker? <laughs> and so it's just kind of like, it just doesn't, it just doesn't fit that that way tonally it's a tone thing you know yeah uh, it's but uh, yeah but i could it wouldn't be that hard to create a parallel page so that the people that constantly message me and say hey why man you have the you're you're, you're getting enough historians that are <laughs> that are citing your work yeah. i don't know <laughs> no i get it it's yeah. it's it's a wonderful page um i direct people to it all the time. Uh, if you're listening to this episode and you have no idea what we're talking about, seriously, check out the Star Trek chronology project. Just Google it. Google yeah, that phrase. Way. It's a you will, spot, you so. will find it. Yeah. Um, and it is, it is a fascinating read. And again, just to see it all in one place is so great. Yeah. But, the one um, thing I'll, the one thing I will say, because I get this, these comments all the time, about like well why does this go here and why does this go there which is Mm -hmm. great i love that people are thinking through it there is a page on the site that uh details my thought process and and kind of how i made the list and why i did this and why i did that which which if read would answer most of those questions oh come on jason i don't want to work that hard come (laughs) on but i I promise (laughs) i did give a lot of thought into it probably way way more thought than anyone should to something as trivial as star trek but um it, it's fun that, that's why we're here right just to have fun yeah it's great I, I i highly recommend folks check it out and uh yeah it's we've i've i've sent in uh different suggestions of things because i mean stuff's being revealed to me like as i'm working through my working my way through the show oh yeah like oh okay these two are actually meant to go together Mm-hmm. Um, so I'll message you about it and yeah. Um, and occasionally people do catch a mistake or, or something that I missed. So I actually appreciate that. And I do, I do update that when it, when it happens. So yeah. I, uh, the, yeah, the community is pretty good about, about that sort of thing of like, Oh yeah. Hey, you may want to, you know, take a look at this. And I always say, Hey, look, if, if this suggestion is not, does not jive with what you're doing, please feel free to ignore it. But, uh, um, yeah, sure. Yeah. Cause I'm, I mean, I'm, you, I remember you said you approached it because of your fascination with the films, correct? Initially, like when you were, yeah. when you were real, real young. Yeah. So when I was younger, you know, things like the the Marvel Cinematic Universe, like that stuff that we take for granted now, which is all these like cohesive mm. franchises that are a, a living kind of universe that exists between different TV and films. And so those those were few and far between. I mean, you had you had occasionally film franchises and stuff, but I remember I think it was the trailer for Star Trek Six, great trailer, yeah. um, like the original teaser for it, right? Where it's mm. it's like Christopher Plummer doing a voiceover, like you know we've gone on adventures with these people, you know all this stuff, and yeah. there's like a shot of the Enterprise and projected on it are images of um, scenes not just from the movies, like the previous mm-hmm. five films, 
mm-hmm. but also the original series. And it was kind of this like, oh my gosh, like these are the same characters. These movies are just a continuation of this old TV show from before I was even born. And I don't know. I just really thought that was cool, you know? Yeah. And um, yeah, and it continues. Star Trek is probably one of the earlier franchises to actually do kind of the MCU thing, you know, where the stuff does exist together, you know? Yeah. Um, and, and that informs the chronology project. There's not a ton of things from one episode, like one show that'll inform another, but there are a few of uh, the, the easiest example that I can think of off the top of my head is there is um, cause a lot of it, you can order by started at a certain point uh, around season five of the next generation, the, the production teams kind of got a handle on star dates. And so basically they would, they would use that probably as, so I don't know, I don't have any insider information, but almost as an internal kind of chronometer. Yeah. And, um, and so if you basically just type out all the star dates and order them by that at that point, um, they line up pretty well. Like they go together well with like when they aired, you know, and stuff mm-hmm. like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, but occasionally there's like an in-universe thing that you have to account for. So I think there's an episode, I forget which one, for the uniform maybe, where uh, Cisco mentions the recent Borg attack. And he's referencing the events of First Contact. Right. But right. if you go just by the star dates, it actually doesn't line up quite that right, quite well. But usually I'll do things like like on in universe on screen stuff will trump like an episode start date. Okay. So I have to yeah, put yeah. that episode. No, that so I had sense. to move that episode so it was after immediately after, but after first contact rather than before it. Yeah. Um, otherwise that line doesn't make sense. And my my argument on the site is because it doesn't happen very often that you kind of have to ignore the start date for, for those reasons. Yeah. But when you do, my my comment I think is, you know, heck, you know, even even captains forget what day it is every now and again. You know, yeah. Yeah. That's, and to be honest, that's a great way to look at it. Um, yeah. So speaking about things going in a particular order, here we are talking about discovery now yeah. on the show. And you mentioned that you're not the biggest discovery fan. Like what is it that doesn't really click for you? Is it the characterization? Is it the writing? Is it the production or the, the look of it? I've had, you know, folks say yeah. it's, oh, it just doesn't look like Star Trek, which, okay. No, but I don't, <laughs> I don't have any, I don't have any problem with the production values. Um, and when I say problem, I don't have a problem with the show. If people like the show, they like the show. That's, that's great. You know, yeah. we don't all, we don't all have to like it. We don't all have to not like it. Um, no, the production values I think are incredible. Actually, I think the show looks great and yeah, it looks yeah. very different than nineties Trek, but nineties Trek looked very different than sixties Trek, you know, and that's just, you're yep. going to have that. Yeah. Um, and actually, I think a lot of what they've done with the new Trek, as far as, you know, from a production standpoint is pretty great. Like, I think the Enterprise uh, interiors, especially, but even the exterior on Strange New Worlds is a fantastic update of the original Enterprise. It, yeah, it's modern. It looks, it looks you know, amazing. they're not going to they're not going to make it look like a 60s cardboard set. You know, that would be ridiculous. Right. Um, right. So they've made it look good. But it's still very believable to me that it's the same ship. You know, they've, yeah. they've honored they've honored the the style uh, without being you know kind of a slave to it. So production values with the new Trek stuff, I actually think is uh, fantastic. Um, it, it's mostly the writing, um, and honestly, I find some of the characters a little rough. But that that's the writing too. It's it's um, you know, again, we were talking about you know this episode's in the first season of mm-hmm. Discovery. Yeah, and uh, and actually, I think. The first season is probably my favorite season of the show uh, from a writing standpoint. It, it has its problems, but it's but I enjoyed it for the most part when I was watching it. 
Mm-hmm. It's kind of later seasons that get a little season two, I think is kind of a mess. <laughs> um, okay. There are, there are plot things that just don't make sense. And, um, and I won't get into all of those, but even as I'm watching it, I'm like this, wait a minute, wait a minute, this doesn't make sense. And you know, it's fiction suspension of disbelief is great, but it, it only goes so far for me than when I start thinking, okay, that was just lazy, you know? Um, so discovery starts to do that more in season two, I think. Um, so yeah, it's, 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 it's writing. Um, I'm not a huge fan of Burnham and it has nothing to do with, uh, sneak with Martin green. I think she's a great actress. Uh, she seems like a cool person. Uh, again, I think it comes down to writing, but she's actually this episode we're going to talk about is kind of a good example. It's like, is there anything she can't do? <laughs> you know, she's like a ninja in this episode, like a mind ninja, like fighting Sarek on his level. And and I just wish they had given her a, more flaws that were real. You know, I feel mm. like they kind of gave her, they gave her this kind of big flaw in the beginning, which was she was a mutineer. Uh, but then they kind of retconned that into like, well, no, that wasn't a flaw. She was right all along. And I, I'm not, I'm not saying anything that other people haven't said in the meantime. Some people love the Burnham character, and that's awesome. If that's you, if you're out there and you love Michael Burnham, more power to you. That's awesome. I'm so glad you're enjoying this show. Yeah, um, yeah. I just, I just, I, I don't know. I, she's right too often, and 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 I know you could probably say that about some other captains. You could probably say that about Kirk. You could probably say that about. Uh, Picard, but I do feel like they did. Um, they had consequences to their actions when they were wrong in a way yeah. that the writers on Discovery, I don't think, follow through with as much. It's it's like she'll get a slap on the wrist, but at the end of the day, it's like no, actually, but she was right, and and that's fine if you want to write a character like that. I just uh, I don't relate to it as as much as I do characters that are a little more. Yeah, I, I I recall an episode of Enterprise, and then we'll get back to we'll get back into Discovery in a minute. But I do recall an episode of Enterprise where uh, I believe it was the episode the cogenitor where yeah, um, yeah with it. the long story short they interact with this species that has a male female and then a cogenitor like a third, they, yeah yeah a third a third gender. Yep. And they they need they need all three to be able to reproduce. Yeah, and the third one's almost like a almost like a not a slave, but like not kind not of treated a slave, as a kind of a pet, kind of a yeah. And Trip has yeah. an issue with it, and yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah Trip has That's an issue with it. He ends up you know uh, connecting with the cogenitor, and um, things happen. I don't want to spoil it for anybody. <laughs> The show's 20 years old. He <laughs> he interacts with the cogenitor and um gives her gives them a taste yep. of life outside of the role of cogenitor. Yeah. And when it's revealed that because of their society, that's not gonna happen for them, they end up killing themselves. Yeah. Um, and Archer's understandably very upset. Um, yep. the uh government that they're dealing with, you know, it's basically first contact. And, you know, the, the cogenitors are, you know, pretty rare and it's, everybody's upset across the board and the show kind of wraps up in Archer's ready room with him giving trip, basically the equivalent of like a stern finger shaking. And that's pretty much it. And I was like, yeah, I, I, I turned to my wife and I was like, you know what, if they really wanted to amp this up a bit, Archer would have held out his hand and say, give me one of those pips. Yeah. And demoted you know, that's, him right there. That's and that's an, that's it, interesting to to, um, to show that there was some sort of consequences. Yeah, because... and you know, maybe 
maybe that's maybe that's uh, you know I, I haven't thought about this but that's that's interesting maybe it has less to do with the burnham character itself and maybe it has something to do with the serialization of the show so in an episodic show even even like enterprise or i think deep space nine actually did this pretty well mm. but but um in a more episodic show it is hard you don't really expect those consequences to carry over right mm -hmm. um wharf gets a dressing down and he's told he'll never be captain again you know or whatever and whatever that episode is where he's on trial right and uh and um you're like well okay next week no one's going to reference that it's not going to matter and so exactly yeah you're right those other characters in those former shows kind of did get away with things also mm. but the episodic nature of it kind of made you expect that in a lot of ways whereas the right. newer shows are so serialized that maybe you just notice it more you know and that's interesting maybe i'm being unfair to the burnham character because of that serialization aspect too but you know, uh, I don't know. That's a yeah. that's a discussion I've had with some folks who are like, "Man, she's crying for three episodes," and I have to. Well, remind, that, and I'm like, I do find hey. that kind of annoying. <laughs> it, yeah, it, it can't it can be it can throw you, and then I always, you know, I'm quick because I mean, I don't get me wrong, I'm I I feel those feelings too of like, oh, just suck it up, and I was like, oh no, this person's really important, and based on what we've seen in the order we've seen it, that just happened. Yeah. <laughs> So, so that's it's kind that's of like, kind oh, of okay, one of this my is, this is how this, this is how a human interacts. <laughs> this is yeah. how a human. That, so that that to me is where I think some of the writing uh, could use maybe a second draft because mm. the 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 crying thing. It's yes, it is human. People have emotions. There's nothing wrong with that. You know, um, I mean, these are kind of military folks, so it's probably I don't know. But even putting that aside, I think where the writing fails uh, the actors. And the characters uh, at times is so. Uh, Burnham's a great example. Sonequa Martin Green does the crying thing very well, right? I mean, as an actress, she can turn it on, she can make it believable. Yeah. Uh, she's very good. Mm -hmm. um, if that happened once a season or at the end of an arc that really earns it, mm -hmm. I think she could sell that in a way that is extremely impactful emotionally and very effective. When it's done mm. all i know it's not every episode but it is done frequently you know in a 10 episode season there's probably at least four where she's like this is the worst thing that's ever happened you know you know right, and right. it's not it's not the actress's fault it, it's it's just it loses impact for me right the performance is just as good as it would have been otherwise um but it's like no save it you know sa save it like let the let the story breathe a little bit and then earn those moments a little bit more with the writing and i think that's mm. where that's where I, I get a little annoyed by it um yeah this might be this might be the know. flip side of the coin of having those shorter seasons mm. you don't have 24 26 episodes to let a moment land it's kind of yeah. all right we got to get on to the next thing yeah and you know to have more emotional beats in a shorter time in a shorter season it feels like it's every other episode because it yeah. practically is and yeah, that's is. due it that's is. due to the structure so maybe it's so maybe it's not necessarily the writing but it's the writing within that structure that yeah. just it, it feels like it's every other episode it was like well in a 24 26 epi episode season you would you wouldn't feel it nearly as much however you'd probably have a lot of fluff episodes of like 
oh, it's the captain's birthday. What's everybody getting him for his birthday type thing? I'm like, that doesn't matter. (laughs) So we're going to. Yeah, I think it's just I think it's a case of, you know, when when there are five things in a short amount of time that are uh, where there's that level of emotion, it's kind of you get a little tired, I think, as a viewer and you, you can't connect as much to it. Yeah. Uh, whereas, whereas if it's one or two, you just believe it more. Um, yeah. But, you know, it, there's also an element, you know, I'm not, <laughs> I'm not completely un, uh, self-aware. I, you know, there's also an element to where just I'm a slightly different generation than sure. what the target audience is for these new shows. Yeah. You know, this is the TikTok generation where you're scrolling through and every other, you know, not every other, but every 10 things, it's like somebody crying into TikTok and, and people younger people probably more so really connect with that in a way that you know guys my age probably don't as much and so i realize i'm not necessarily the target audience for these shows either so which is why i say hey if you love the show awesome you love the show i can find things about it that i like for sure um in the pantheon of star trek shows it's it's definitely near the bottom for me but yeah that and i think bad it just means i don't like it right much, right yeah. and with this episode just like you said there are a lot of great things to like in this, I think mm-hmm. with this rewatch for me, I'm really rediscovering my love for Jason Isaacs. Oh, he's great. Who is such a fantastic actor to watch. But mm-hmm. then now knowing now knowing his character arc, because of course yeah. I watched it when it came out in 2017, sure. but now rewatching it, now I'm picking up all the subtleties that he yeah, was I- able to work into his performance. And it's so good. Yeah, I noticed a little bit of that too. I think I told you I watched I watched this episode earlier today, and I probably hadn't watched it since it was first on, or maybe once after that. And I picked up on a few of those things too. I think there's a scene where Tyler comments on his eyes, and oh, that must have happened in such and such a battle. And he's like, "Yeah, I have my scars or whatever." And then I'm like, "Wait a minute, no, that's not because of the other reason." I don't know because the, the other guy see is here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, <laughs> yeah. You find out later what the real deal is with his eyes, you know? Right. And um, yeah, I hadn't noticed that the first time through. You know, it was a throwaway line, so. Yeah, um, this this rewatch for me is really helping me appreciate some of the more some of the more more subtle things, not just in, you know, performance of Jason Isaacs, but like uh, the performances across the board. Uh, I'm also noticing things in production, be it uh, costuming, set design, uh, sound design. You know, uh, if you want to if you want to really appreciate sound design start a podcast where you're having to listen to every little (laughs) click of someone's voice. uh, And you really get to appreciate just how much effect that sort of thing has on a particular experience. Mm. And um, yeah, they just really, I'm appreciating the show more and more from a production standpoint. The narrative is what it is. And, and I, and I enjoy the narrative. Mm. Um, But now I'm getting the, the subtle, you know, the, those extra, I'm appreciating the finer details, uh, with this episode, we see a lot of, a lot of stuff here. We we also get into some of the stuff of the Vulcan culture, like that mm. really wasn't touched on specifically before. And we kind of knew a few things about it. And then, like I said, you know, we've got some stuff here with, um, Lorca and Admiral Cornwell, uh, mm-hmm. just briefly before we get into spoiler territory, how did you feel about this episode? Did you watch anything leading up to this episode or did you go into this episode fairly cold? 
I, I went into it fairly cold this time. Like, okay. I, like I said, I think I've watched the first season of Discovery twice. I, I definitely watched it when it originally aired. Mm-hmm. And I'm fairly positive I watched it all the way through at least one other time. Mm-hmm. Um, so this would have been the, probably the third time I watched this episode. Um, I will say I'm thankful with this modern trick. You know, it did give me sort of the recap at the beginning. So I was like, okay, that's where we are in the story. All right. Previously on. The show, on. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> which is, which, which was, which was helpful um, to not necessarily have to go back and, and, and kind of watch. And, but I've seen enough times to, I was like, okay, I, I know where we are. And, and as soon as I started watching, I remembered the episode too. Cause this, this one actually, again, one of the other things that I, I struggle with a little bit with the newer Trek and uh, this is, this isn't, specific to trek i think this is modern tv mm. uh especially like prestige tv which a lot of it's really good but because it's so serialized it is harder to uh what i would say be like hey you remember the episode where at you know yada 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 happened oh, you yeah. can do that you, like pretty much any old star trek episode from the 90s or you can say oh you know the, the one where this happened to, to you know right Tom paris or whatever <laughs> yeah uh it's really they all kind of they blend together a lot more. Mm. Um, I would say a notable exception to that in this season is the following, the, the next episode you're going to do. Exactly. Magic <laughs> to make the same. That, that, that's very standalone-y. Yeah. Um, that's not a word, but whatever, standalone Hey, uh, But this one, but listen, this one did we have create, We create things here. You can go ahead right. and coin that We're, phrase. Absolutely. New words. <laughs> uh, but this one did have a little bit of that. Once it started, I was like, oh yeah, this is the one where she mind melds with Sarek from you know, light years away, which I think that's a little weird too, but, um, but it did have that like, okay, I remember, I remember this one. I kind of know what happens. And, and, and also had the, well, I don't want to get into too many spoilers, but it also has the distinction of being the first meeting of Burnham and Tyler, which was interesting to watch again. Oh yeah. Especially knowing, knowing his character arc, uh, you know, going back and looking at certain things. Yeah. It's, it's, it's fascinating. Yeah. If you haven't, if you haven't, visited season one discovery in a while you know now that we're uh before season five starts take a take a trek back to season yeah. <laughs> one and watch it again because i think it's a fun it's a fun journey to take and uh again you you end up appreciate at least i do end up appreciating the finer details uh but before we get into too much more about the episode itself let's get to this week's recap brought to you in part by our patreon supporters Rev J, Jerry Antimano, Cosmic Crit, Kitty B, and David Willett. Spoiler alert. Spoiler alert. Spoiler alert. Michael, Michael, what's wrong? Okay. He's in trouble. He might be dying. His ship is lost in a nebula. We go in with a shuttle. Flying with nothing but hope and a prayer. Are you really that crazy? Good to know. You launched an unauthorized rescue mission. I'm trying to win a war. And don't make enemies on your own side. Star Trek Discovery. New episode Sunday. On Vulcan, Sarek boards a ship for a diplomatic mission to a dissenting Klingon faction. On Discovery, Lorca and Tyler are running a tactical drill in the holodeck. Then the captain asks the POW to be the new chief of security. And there was much rejoicing. On the Vulcan ship, Sarek's aide injects himself with a bioexplosive and changes the ship's heading. He declares that Sarek cares too much about humans and the Federation and wants to sacrifice himself to kill Sarek. Sarek pulls the ship out of warp 
and erects a force field around the cockpit just before the aid explodes. And on that note, we cue the music. Burnham and Tilly eat after their workout, and Burnham micromanages her food choices. Slap Chef, what's that? It's a new weight loss program that takes decision making out of the equation. How does it work? First, one of Slap Chef's world-class chefs makes you one of their signature dishes. Then, before you can say Slap Chef, they knock it out of your stupid mouth. Slap Chef! Tilly sees Tyler and is excited to meet him. Burnham gives him the side eye. When she shakes Tyler's hand, she feels Sarek's pain and finds herself in one of his memories. Suddenly, Sarek turns to her in the memory and pushes her out. Burnham wakes up in sickbay and explains the memory and the bombing. But it wasn't a dream. It was a place. And you, and you, and you, and you were there. Her mind meld with Sarek saved her, but also gave her part of his katra. Burnham asks Lorca to help her. When Discovery arrives at Sarek's last known location, Lorca orders probes be sent out, but Burnham suggests using herself. She and Stamets discuss an augmentation to Burnham's mind. Ooh, that's interesting. After they leave, Lorca is visited by Cornwell, who is furious with him. Lorca gets out a bottle of whiskey to lighten the mood. Meanwhile, on the space bus, Burnham initiates the interface. She finds herself back in the memory and confronts Sarek on what he's hiding from her. He shows her the memory of him hearing the news of her rejection from the Vulcan science thingy. The administrator expressed concerns about admitting not only one, but two non-Vulcans. He allowed the admittance of one, forcing Sarek to make a choice, Burnham or his son, Spock. Sarek admits he felt shame and allows her to find him. Meanwhile, In bed, Cornwell touches a scar on Lorca's back. Startled, Lorca pins her down and holds a phaser to her head. This is the last straw for Cornwell, now convinced he's not stable, leaves promising he won't have Starfleet's greatest weapon for long. Lorca learns about Sarek's rescue. When Burnham thanks Lorca for the mission, he admits he did the mission for her, and also offers her a science station post on the bridge. Burnham then goes inside to confirm that Sarek remembers what happened. He doesn't talk about it, but Burnham promises they will one day. Lorca sees Cornwell off before her mission. He wishes her well. Yeah, right. Cornwell meets with the Klingons. Just after she completes an introduction, the Klingons kill the security officers, leaving Cornwell alive and solo. A hologram of Call appears, and in English, he tells Cornwell he looks forward to meeting her. Yeah, right. Saru informs Lorca of Cornwell's abduction. Lorca orders him to get direction from Starfleet instead of going after her. He looks at the stars with a phaser now tucked in the back of his pants. Oh, that's interesting. So we see some interesting things developing here. I think uh, Lorca's, we're, we're seeing more of Lorca's true nature, all, although at this point still unknown, <laughs> Sure, uh, is, is coming to the surface. And um, he's, you know, uh, I think the, the phrase, be sure your sins will find you out. Um, <laughs> We see a lot of these things are coming to the surface for Lorca. So what did you think of how this interaction between, because I mean, Cornwell, you know, she's a psychologist. A lot, a lot mm -hmm. of people forget 
they see admirals, they see captains, and they're like, well, that's an admiral, that's a captain. But like, you know, Sulu was before a, that. Yeah, Sulu was yeah. a captain. He was actually a helmsman. Like Catherine Janeway was a captain. She was a science officer. And yeah. I mean, it goes on and on and on. Um, so I think this might be one of the rare instances where we see someone in a very high ranking, a very high position of command who came from medical. So mm-hmm. she's she's a she's a therapist. She's a psychologist. Yeah. So as much as Lorca may be playing her, she's playing him. What did you yeah, think of what do you think of the interaction here? It's interesting. Um, you know, I was watching that scene earlier, you know, at the end where, you know, she's gonna take the ship from him and he's like, Don't take mm. my ship away from me, it's all I've got. Yeah. And and she says the line, you know, I hate I think something like, I hate that I don't know whether this is the real you or not. Yeah. And there's a lot of layers on that. You know, which again, line. <laughs> it's either it's it's funny from a, from a writing standpoint, it's either really like thickly layered in an intentional way, or it's really lazy. And I don't know which one, <laughs> I don't know which one it is, um, because yeah, mm. she's a she's a psychiatrist or a psychologist. He's not even the same guy. He's literally not. Well, now I'm giving spoilers away. Well, we're but, in spoiler territory. Whatever. We, okay. I, cool. I, I ran the sound he's, effect. We're we're good to go. He's awesome. <laughs> He's literally not the same person that she had a previous relationship with. So yeah. not only is he this guy that's like, I don't know if it's the, you know, if this is the real you, he's, he's literally not the real him. You know? Yeah. Yeah. And, and it's kind of interesting because you, you would think that somebody of her pedigree and background would be able to figure that out pretty quickly. Yeah. Um, and she doesn't now, maybe that's a credit to him. You know, he's done his research or, or whatever. Right, um, right. But I do like the way he kind of plays that. Uh, you know, he's and again, Jason Jason Isaacs is a is a good actor, and so he's kind of he is playing multiple layers of this. You know, don't give my don't take my ship away. It's all I've got. Like cre- clearly, his he doesn't want to lose the ship, but it's not for the emotional reasons he's projecting. It's right. ulterior motives for the ship. Yeah. Um. So that interaction uh, from an acting standpoint, I think, is really interesting, and and I think the actors both do a, a good job, kind of kind of playing the the different layers of what's going on mm-hmm. um it is a little bit of a stretch for me to to kind of figure out how he's able to pull the wool over her eyes so easily when clearly they've had a previous relationship or at least her and the real Lorca yeah. had a previous relationship and obviously she you know just her field of study would you would think she would know so maybe they're playing it that like you know her emotions are blinding her and you know, there's a lot of different ways you can play it. And it's not, it's not a huge problem, um, but it is a little bit of an eyebrow raise that scene. Yeah. You know, I like, think, yeah. Cause I mean, this out. cause she mentions a specific interaction uh, from their previous relationship. And I really tried to pay attention of how he played it off of mm-hmm. either not remembering or remembering it differently or yeah. something along those lines. And I, and I recall watching going, oh, nicely played, you know, yeah, yeah. well done. And I, and I was also looking at, I mean, because for those who have seen Discovery, uh, we know that he's actually from the Mirror Universe. And I was trying to think, has, has there been any breakthrough to the Mirror Universe in the chronology up to this point? Well, that is a loaded question and not to get us off topic, but it's interesting because this season of enterprise something that happens a little bit later in the season causes really the one place in all of the chronology that uh is a little bit it, it was really tough 
to do. Mm-hmm. So there's kind of this, there's sort of a, a loop, right? So yeah. uh, for those that don't know, the way I ordered things chronologically and the way I dealt with time travel was just to say, hey, what we're really watching here is is these stories of these characters. And so time travel becomes almost a non-issue. What yeah. we do is like, it's the point of origin of the prime universe character, right? Right, right. Um, so the crew of the Enterprise travels back to 1968. The episode didn't happen in 68. From the from the point of view of the crew, it happened in 22, whatever, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and you can just kind of do that with everything and it works and it flows and it doesn't get messy. Right. You know, first first contact. So it's a smart way. It's a smart way to organize it. Yeah. The one place that that, that gets tricky is uh, with with a cycle of three episodes. Well, four technically is you have um, Intermere Darkly, which is a two part enterprise episode that takes mm-hmm. place entirely in the mirror universe, not the not the prime universe, entirely in the mirror universe. Yep. And it's not, a, it's not technically, it's not one of these where somebody from the prime universe crosses over. Right. Yep. And so the way, so it's funny, somebody pointed out on the site that I guess technically it almost shouldn't be a part of the chronology because it doesn't take place in the prime universe, except that there actually is a character arguably that crosses over and it's the ship. It's the defiant. Um, oh yeah. So, so when you consider the defiant, um, and we're not talking the Deep Space Nine Defiant. We're talking the uh, Enterprise-like Defiant. The Constitution um, class Defiant? Yeah, the Constitution class, class. That, what happens is at the end of the events of, um, oh, what is it? Uh, original series episode. I'm blanking now. Oh, um, Mirror, Mirror? Uh, no, not Mirror, Mirror. It's, um, oh, shoot. It doesn't matter. There's an Enterprise episode that has the Defiant in it. I just can't remember. The, or not, sorry, Enterprise. The original series episode that has the Defiant in it. At the end of that episode, the Defiant disappears into this unknown space-time vacuum thing. Um, what we then learn in Enterprise is it reappears in the past, so the time of Enterprise, but also in the mirror universe, right? Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so technically, chronologically, if you take it from the point of view of the Defiant, Intermere Darkly doesn't happen until after that episode of the original series, which is driving me nuts that I can't think of it right now, but I'm not going to take the time to look it up. Um, so, so actually, you'll see on the chronology, I think that is where I have it. So you probably haven't watched Intermere Darkly yet. You probably haven't. I haven't. We technically finished. Yeah. Yeah. We technically finished Enterprise with um, the two part. Yeah, yeah. Demons and Terra Prime. Yeah. Yeah. So. Which it so, watches better. It watches better that way. Yeah, it does. <laughs> I think it does. It's a nice, it's a nice callback because now you're watching, you're in the original series, and you're like, oh, I get to watch this Enterprise episode now. That from the point of view of the Prime Universe, quote unquote, character, the Defiant mm-hmm. takes place after. Um, the now, Tholian, where we the Tholian web? Yes, thank you. It's the Tholian okay. web. Yes, yes, yes. So the Tholian web happens. The Defiant gets transported back in time and into the mirror universe, and so then you have Intermirror Darkly, and that was pretty clean. Right. Mm -hmm. What we'll learn later in this season of Discovery, again, spoilers is fine, but they go into the mirror universe and there is a reference to a ship from their universe Mm -hmm. from the past. So they're talking about the Defiant. So it creates this kind of circular loop (laughs) where you have these three episodes, Inamara Darkly, Tholian Web and and whatever the the Discovery episode is where they mention it. And it's kind of like, because it's this weird three-way loop, you can kind of put those anywhere. And it's um, funny, I get a lot of comments on the site about them. I, I'm, I still feel pretty good about where I have it. Um, but it is kind of, it's really the only place that happens in all the chronology where it's like, yeah, it's, it's this weird cycle and 
you know, it's anybody's guess which order you want to do them in. Yeah. Yeah. I, um, you know, that talking was, about that was maybe the most nerdy thing I ever explained to anybody. But <laughs> you know, Hey, but you know what? You took one for the team and you're the one who did it and did a great job of it, by the way, that that's, that's yeah. not easy to explain to someone, <laughs> yeah. but you know, I, you know, talking about the chronology and of course things, you know, going back and forth in time, the other enterprise episode, which ends up being the, uh, the series finale, mm-hmm. um, yeah. all good or not all good things. Um, these are the voyages. These are the voyages. Yeah. Yeah. I kind of wish someone would have taken these are the voyages with the episodes of TNG that it the Pegasus. Co- yeah, Pegasus that it coincides with and edit them all together. <laughs> so I did, did that. I, did you? I, I've literally, in fact, well, it's laying down there. I have an old CD or DVD ROM uh, that I did that years ago. I mean, yeah, many years down. ago. Yeah, I cut it up. Uh, it's a little weird watching because Enter- Enterprise was shot in like widescreen format. And so it's really clear, you know, uh, yeah. when it when it shifts. Well, and also record ages pretty significantly and then back. But yeah, um, <laughs> and, and Troy too. But yeah, I did that. It's there's a way to do it. It's not super, super clean. The bulk of the Enterprise episode happens like between two scenes of the Pegasus episode. But then there's okay. a few other cuts, like the end scene of the Enterprise that happens at the end. And, so I did it for fun, um, you know, and I've got it on a on a DVD. That's uh, all cut up like it's one episode. Because yeah, again, on the chronology, you can't really do that. Um, yeah. So I place yeah. I I place these are the voyages directly after the Pegasus. So you watch the Pegasus, and then you kind of watch, and you just kind of have to understand that yeah, these things are happening at the same time. Uh, I think I'm gonna need a copy of that, sir. Because uh, <laughs> I, I think I don't even know how to get that to you. It's literally like this old DVD ROM. Uh, maybe yeah, there's a way to upload it online but i yeah there's got to be a way to get that on youtube or something like that because i think i think people would go nuts for it and to be honest like that's something that i would host a watch part a watch party for be like it's it's you gotta see this (laughs) i think (laughs) i mean i i think i literally did it in like um you know whatever apple standard video editing pro you know it was cheaply done but i i think i i think i cut it together pretty well nice yeah i mean look there's, there's all kinds of stuff out there and you can tell folks that, you know, have, uh, you know, professional editing training and, you know, the big fancy equipment. And then you can tell the folks of just like, oh, they sat there and watched this a lot to get that timing yeah. just right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And you know what? Yeah, there's, totally. there's nothing wrong with that, man. I, to be honest now, I'm super curious. I really, really want to see this. Um, yeah, but it's, let's, it's, it's, <laughs> here it is. It's just oh, a little, wow. It's a regular uh, CD is Pegasus. Yeah. It's sitting here. It's just the, just the DVD R, <laughs> but it's on there. You, you can watch it. I might pop it in later tonight and watch it. Just now that I'm thinking about it. I haven't watched it. Oh yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> let me know. Let me know how it holds up and um, I, I'll send you some money, dude, because I want to, I want a copy. <laughs> if I, I can it, get I it uploaded, it. I'll send it to you for free. I don't care, but uh, I just got to figure out how to get that somewhere. Yeah. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Right. That would be a great little addition to, uh, uh to uh the chronology uh site of like hey you know if you if you uh were selling little things of like oh i put these together and this that and the other thing you can if you if you yeah. donate a dollar to the site you'll yeah I'll send you this i'll send you this little package <laughs> yeah i i make literally no money off the site and that's totally fine it's just a fun thing for people to enjoy um but let's uh, let's get back into discovery here uh you know in addition to the uh 
Cornwell and Lorca interactions, we get a lot of the interactions with, uh, and I want to save Tyler for last, but we get these interactions between Burnham and Sarek. And we see, because I think we we get a pretty good glimpse of how things kind of went down uh, with Spock getting into or rejecting the Vulcan Science Academy. Yeah, uh, we, we see that pretty clearly in J.J. Abrams, 2009, mm-hmm. uh, a great scene played uh, all by all. And of course, Zachary Quinto uh, mm-hmm. knocking it out of the park. But um, here we see that it was a little bit deeper that Sarek actually needed to make a choice because um, Spock is not a uh, pure Vulcan. Yeah. Burnham is definitely not Vulcan. She's 100 yep. percent not Vulcan. <laughs> yep. Um but that this caused uh, this caused uh, some strain, some some uh, some shame in Sarek. Uh, what do you, what do you think of the the interactions here, and you know that those thoughts and feelings of having to make that choice and it causing shame and carrying that stuff with you, like yeah, I think what, it's what do you think of this? I think it's an interesting story for a Vulcan, and uh, and I'm I can't think of the actor's name right now who plays Sarek on Discovery. I actually think he's he's pretty good. Yeah, um, I, I we we ran over uh, part of his CV a few episodes ago, and it's extensive. Yeah, he's really good. Yeah, yeah, he's good. And Sarek's a tough; those are tough shoes to fill. I think Mark Leonard, you know, next to maybe Leonard Nimoy, obviously, but I mean, probably has the best Vulcan performance. Um, yeah, in, yeah, in that he's able to. He's not data like. He's he's able to project the emotion behind the eyes, even though he's not outwardly emoting. Right. Um. And Mark Mark Leonard just does that really really well. Um. And so those are tough shoes to fill. But I think I think he does this pretty well. I, I like the shame angle, you know, and just the the thought, even if it's not executed as well as maybe it could be, that thought experiment of of Vulcans experiencing shame and what that's like, yeah, and how they deal with it. Um. Is an interesting idea. They probably could have explored that more. It it turns almost turns into kind of an action episode at one point. You know, even though they're kind of exploring these ideas, they're also doing like kung fu and you know, yeah, mental, I, mental kung fu and yeah, and, mental uh, kung fu. Oh, that's great. And I, I would have, I would, and this is where this is where I'm just kind of, I guess, an old geezer. But I was like, I would have rather them just sit and talk about these things. It would have felt more Star Trekky to me than than to add some of that action. But again, not not the primary audience. I'm I'm not. And, yeah, uh, you know, but, uh, in look, they're interesting in looking, themes. I will give them that. They are very interesting themes. Yeah, I think the, uh, you know, just on the surface level of you talked about uh, seeing Vulcans experience shame uh, here, specifically Sarek, but looking at, you know, what we've seen in the franchise so far throughout history is uh, them dealing with fear, them dealing with um, anger. Um, And then usually, you know, for a... (laughs) for a, a weird episode probably to appear probably to appease uh an executive producer uh sexual uh sexual things <laughs> um but but shame is a really interesting um emotion to tackle for vulcans um and it's an, emo- it's an interesting emotion to tackle for humans yeah yeah exactly you know, um you add that layer of of stoicism that vulcans have is just yeah, there's there's a lot to mine there. I don't I don't think they they really do it as much justice as they could in this episode, but there's a lot to mine there. 
Yeah. And this is the point usually where I would ask something uh, pretty personal of my guest in terms of the content of what we're watching, but I'm going to refrain from asking you, Oh, what's your greatest, what's your greatest shame? Tell us, (laughs) tell our listeners. Um, But you know, dealing with stuff like that can be uh, really super difficult and people would almost do anything to avoid having to deal with that sort of thing. And, Absolutely. um, you know, I, I think as, and again, because we are talking about an episode that's already in the can, a season that has long since passed, there's not really much we can do to change it, but I think it's important to note that while we're not really passing judgment on the creative decisions made here, I think it's important to kind of look at these things in certain periods of time, like, you know, you look at it when it first debuts, you know, and this was 2017. Uh, now we're looking at it in 2022, 2023. Um, you know, it's been that long. That's crazy. Yeah. It's been, it's been a minute. (laughs) Yeah. So looking at, you know, enterprise enterprise is now 20 years behind us. Yeah. And you know, uh, next gen even further. TOS even further. Like we're coming up on 60 years here. We're, we're right around the corner from 60 years of Star Trek here, folks. Yeah. Um, so I think it's important to look at these things periodically. And I think that's one of the great things about this franchise is you can look at these things through different lenses. And then once you're done looking at them, by the time you start again, things have changed either in society or in your own heart and mind, or sure. in the world we live in. And I think that's one of the great things about Star Trek is it's evergreen. Um, oh, yeah. There's, uh, don't get me wrong, there's certain things that, oh, that that doesn't sound good. You know, Pike saying, oh, I'm just not used to a woman on the bridge. Okay. <laughs> All right. <laughs> it was the 60s. Sure. <laughs> things are different now. <laughs> but, you know, for the most part, even things like that, we can kind of look at and go, oh, we we have come a long way. Mm. Or when we look at things like the xenophobia in um, Enterprise, you know, mm. juxtaposed with some of the news of the day, like, sure. oh, we haven't come as far as we probably should have, or maybe as far as we thought we did, or as yeah. as far as we would like to. <laughs> oh, yeah. Um, but yeah, Star yeah. Trek's always been a good reflection of the time that it's written. Uh, I mean, you might be able to say that about almost any any television, but uh, because Star Trek tends to address current events in a way that not all TV does, I think it's more apparent. Um, and they they do it well for the most part. I think that's I think that's one of the uh, nitpicks I have about modern Trek too is that they uh, they don't lean on allegory as much. They're a little more you know if they have plot, a statement to make plot driven. Well, no, I mean, even like, like they'll talk about current events or even, even like political ideas and things. Star Trek's always done that. Mm-hmm. Um, but in the past, it was like, let's find a sci- sci-fi concept to kind of get people that maybe don't agree with us to think, um, think differently about it, you know, and right, kind of almost, right. almost trick them, not in a, not in a malicious way, but kind of like almost trick them into really thinking about the other point of view when, sure. yeah, you know, which, which was when done well was brilliantly done by Star Trek. And I feel like modern Trek, they're trying to do the same thing, but they're, uh, they're using more of a, a hammer than a scalpel. Maybe not, maybe that's not the best analogy, but it's kind of like, well, I think they, they've lost some of the nuance and the allegory um, that some of the older stuff had. 
which you know and again that's a sign of the times itself too so i think i think any way you look at it star trek does a pretty good job um of reflecting the time that it's written in yeah and i think i always uh think back to um stamets interacting with uh adira tall uh in engineering and uh i forget the specific interaction but he refers to them as uh her or she and yeah she says i pre- or this they is say I pre- yes yes yeah um and they say um i actually go by they them yeah. and he looks at her and goes okay and it and it, and again, I think that's showing. It, you mentioned it; it's a sign of the times. So I think it's the writers going. I, I think it's a uh, Star Trek's taken the direction of we really shouldn't have to spoon feed you this stuff at this point. We've been doing this for fifty years. If you can't grasp some of these concepts at this point, it's on you. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> like we, yeah, that, you know, talking about, and again, because uh, don't, don't get me wrong. Uh, you know, I come from a family who um, really pushed um, grammar and, mm. and things like that. So some of that stuff was very jarring for me, but also at the same time, like I come from stand up comedy where there's, I have a lot of different friends from a lot of different backgrounds, oh, and yeah. a lot of different, yeah, totally. uh, a lot of different flags are flying. Sure. Uh, so, you know, being able to look at those things and go, okay, yeah, it's just, that, it's just like that. And, and, to, and to be, and to be open and honest about, Hey, I might screw it up. If I do, let me just go ahead and apologize now. Yeah, and yeah. I, I literally had to have that conversation with, um, a comedian. I was producing a show and one of the comedians went by they, them yeah. and, um, I, I, you know, as you do with show, I was also hosting. So I went and said, Hey, do you want me to say anything or, you know, anything along those lines? And they said, uh, just remember I go by they, them. I said, okay, before I walk away from you, understand I've got a lot of things going through my head right now. <laughs> and if I screw it up, I am sorry in advance. And they said, they said, don't worry. I know where your heart is. And I think that's important to recognize too. And we've gotten away from discovery at this point and we will get back to it. But, uh, but I think this is important to talk about. Um, They said, you know, it's okay. I know where your heart is. So it is a two way street. And uh, you know, I think Star Trek is sort of taking this, looking at that scene again of Stamets and Adira, where there's a second where she, where she makes the conscious decision of, okay, I need, I need to, I need to let him know this. Hmm. And she said, and she did it, you know, very, um, very to the point, but didn't really, you know, it wasn't uh, aggressive or uh, I shouldn't say aggressive. It wasn't antagonistic in nature. It was just, Hey, just to let you know, I go by they, them. And yeah, it's it's interesting that you bring up that scene because I I do think that scene is a little bit different than they would have done it. Yeah. it's, It's interesting. Like I understand, I completely understand what they're trying to do. Mm. Um, they do in that scene that you're talking about, they, they park on that for a little while um, and kind of have a conversation about pronouns and stuff like that, which I totally know what they're doing. Again, Star Trek, sign of the times, you know, trying yeah. to address current events. Yeah. Star Trek has always done that. Of course. It's um, nothing. That's but nothing it's, new. it's, it's weird. I, I don't envy the writers trying to figure that out because it's almost at odds with the premise of the show in some ways though, too. Mm. where the idea is in the future or some of these things, you know, what 
and, and you know, I'm sure you've got a large listener base, so you know, not commenting on uh, right or wrong or whatever, but it just just you know, whatever point they're trying to get it across is that things, a lot of these things that are a struggle for us now or a big issue for us now are really a non-issue in the future. Mm. And Star Trek's always done that pretty well. You know, uh, Jordy LaForge is blind, big deal. You know, they don't really talk about it. He's got a Pfizer, but he's, you know, it's like not a thing. Right. Um, racism just doesn't, like they don't talk about it really at all. And I think, I think there's the episode of the original series where somebody says something to her, her and she's like, why would I be offended by that? You know, like it's, and and so mm-hmm. it's interesting yeah, because that, yeah. you have this you have this future where uh, I think what the writers want to say in Star Trek is that in the future, like this is not even a thing, like people aren't even debating. It's not a big deal. But then because they want to get that point across, they write this scene where for the characters, it is kind of a big deal and they talk about it a lot. And I get why. Yeah. At the same time, you're <laughs> like, well, are, why are we still having the conversation 200 years from now that we're having now? Like, shouldn't like. From, from the from just the perspective of the premise of the show shouldn't we just kind of be past that so it's and i get i'll go back to my original point i don't envy the writers you know when they're trying to it is a work it is work a within tough... the premise of this and then also yeah. try to make some statement whether you agree with that statement or not that's the statement that they're trying to make and, and they're they are having a hard time figuring out how to do that in a star trek way right um so it's 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 a tough order. it's a tall it's a tall order um yeah, yeah and i think this episode we start talking about season three but yeah yeah well it's you know the conversation can go anywhere welcome to the computer resume podcast yeah sure <laughs> uh yeah i think yeah and i've mentioned it before there's that wired magazine article that actually came out i want to say 1995 96 97 somewhere around in there um and you can tell that the article started as a set visit to star trek you know here's mm-hmm a day on the set of Star Trek. And it quickly changed into what ended up being the title, How to Write for Star Trek. And if you think that, oh, it's oh, it's just science fiction, little pew-pew, little uh, reverse the polarity, and, and we'll call it a day. It is so much more complicated than that. <laughs> like, sure. I, I consider myself a decent writer. I've written a couple books written a couple of articles i write every week for the show uh you know i i think i'm i think i've got a decent handle on it um in reading that article it shows it showed me how much i had to learn (laughs) because they actually they did a really good job with that article because in the article they put this paragraph and they said okay read the following paragraph and note where you disagree or something along those lines. And I start reading it and it's got some character beats and stuff like that. And I'm just kind of like, okay, all right. All right. And then you get to one sentence here. It's like, oh, I don't know. That sounds a little shaky. And you get further down and it's kind of, Oh no, that's no, that's not going to work at all. By the end of the paragraph, <laughs> you're just like, no, this is completely wrong. The very next yeah. paragraph is back into the, back into the author's direct narrative saying, if if the first sentence you read didn't send up a red flag, then you shouldn't write for Star Trek. I was like, oh my gosh, like <laughs> what did I miss? <laughs> uh, but I mean, they go into, I mean, look, they get consultants from NASA and all the sciences that yeah. are on staff. They are there in the writer's room. Like 
working on these scripts. I mean, yeah. they put a lot of time, a lot of effort, a lot of research. They put so much into these scripts that to, and I'm guilty of it too. Of like, oh, I could, I could probably crank out an episode. No, no, you can't. <laughs> better, better writers, and I've talked to them. Better uh -huh. writers have tried and failed. Oh yeah, <laughs> have have tried and failed multiple times. It's it's not easy. It's not easy. I mean, you know, Star Trek was one uh, franchise that was good about accept accepting scripts on spec. That's yeah. true. Go count how many scripts they accepted on spec. You can do it on, you can do it on like two hands and probably yeah. have some fingers left over. They did not take a lot. I mean, yeah. they took, they took a lot, but they did not put those into production. It's not yeah. like you sent them a script and there's your story on screen. That's not what happened unless you're sure. Ronald D Moore. Um, but yeah, it, it, you're absolutely right. You know, I don't envy the writers at all. <laughs> In nah. fact, every chance I get, I'm like, praise the writers. <laughs> Good job. <laughs> Keep doing what you're doing. <laughs> yeah. Um, I mean, I know what I like. I know what I don't. Um, yeah. Yeah. But I I would want to, you know, it's like armchair quarterback in a little bit, you know, I think it's okay to have critiques. Sure. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Nothing wrong with that. But, you know, at the end of the day, I'm, I'm not a writer either. Yeah, yeah. Um, but anyways, let's uh, let's get back into uh, discovery here. The last interaction I wanted to talk with uh, is about um, Burnham interacting with Tyler. We kind of see a little bit of a little bit of a spark there, kind of, sort of. Like, how do you, how do you what are your thoughts on Tyler yeah, in and of himself, and then the Tyler Burnham beginnings of their relationship here? Yeah. So let me, let me ask you, let me answer your question with a question. Sure. Did you, if you can remember the first time through, how early did you see the Tyler twist coming? Uh, honestly, um, not very early. I think they suckered. Okay. I think they, they really, uh, they, they, I'll, they use got a, you. I'll use a stand up comedy term. They really audienced me, um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, meaning just, I, I just went along for the ride and when yeah. the big twist was revealed i was like you know with everybody else yeah, um, i how about I you i think i figured well i figured it out pretty soon i don't think this is is this only is this only the second episode with tyler or is this the third um i believe this he's is the in. second episode yeah, so he's tyler. pretty new yeah i don't think i had figured it out at this point i think i figured it out pretty early mm. um the Lorca actually one took me for a longer ride i don't think i really saw that coming until you know it was almost on us uh, but the Tyler one, I figured out pretty early, but I don't think I figured it out by this point. So it was interesting watching it now, kind of knowing who he is and where that character is going yeah. and trying to figure out how much he's kind of playing the game. I also couldn't remember, actually, and you can remind me of this too, because like I said, I watched this episode, uh, but I didn't really watch what came before or after it. And I haven't seen it in a while. He Does he know what he's doing? I can't remember. Is, does he, is he aware of who he is or is he kind of like a sleeper agent? I think it is more along the lines of a sleeper agent. Um, okay, so he he really does think he's Dash Tyler at this point. Yeah, yeah, okay. and it's to be honest, looking back, uh, not this episode, but the episode before where he and Lorca are escaping after they leave Harry Mud there mm -hmm. in the in the cell. Um, yeah. lis listening to listening to things Tyler is saying, 
watching the things he is doing, watching his interaction with Laurel. Yeah, yeah, um, that's right. It's later on that Laurel kind of activates him. And he rem- that's right. So he is very much a sleeper. Yeah, and very he, much, very was, much. A what, what made me think of that was not so much the excuse me, not so much the scene with Burnham, but the scene right before that when he's talking to um, the captain. And mm-hmm. the captain's like, welcome aboard. You know, you're going to be, they kind of do that. Like they keep the camera on him for a second mm-hmm. longer, but he doesn't really react. So it's like they're, they're lingering the camera on him, but not long enough for the actor to show that something's up. Yeah. Um. And so I, that's why I couldn't remember if it's like, is he, is, is, is he a sleeper thing or so he is. Um. Yeah. No, that first, that first interaction with him and Burnham, I think is, is pretty good. Um. Yeah, there's there's some chemistry between the actors, I think, there. Uh I'm trying to think kind of through the dialogue of that of that scene. You know, he's he's one of the first people that kind of accepts her. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, she thinks, yeah, she says something like all the stories you know about me are true. And and he's like, Well, something like along the lines of I you know, I don't really care about what's happening right now, not what happened in the past, and kind of shakes her hand. Yeah. Um, you know, Tilly's in that scene too. I think she's sitting there kind of is nudging Burnham on yeah. <laughs> a little bit to interact. <laughs> So it's it's a good first meeting. Um, I think they play it pretty well, uh, but I don't know if I have a lot of other thoughts around it. Yeah, I, I think, um, you know, this goes back to, um, I, gosh, I really wish I knew how early. Um, oh, and now I forget the actor that plays Tyler's uh, character. But um, I, I really wish I knew at what point the actor was aware of the ultimate destiny of that character. Yeah. Um, and see if there's, you know, a shift in the performance. But I think, I think, you know, going well, I think back he to, w- I think he would have been because I, I think he, it's him in makeup as. Yeah, it is. It is him in makeup. Um, he, yeah. Before. Yeah, he so gets, the, unless they, unless they filmed all of those scenes later, he would have had to know. Um, he would have had to know that where the arc was going. Yeah. Yeah. It's, you know, all these interactions with all these different people are really, um, you know, shaping up something that is for sure, a definitely, uh, new and exciting chapter, um, in, in the Trek franchise. But, you know, as we go through these, we always, uh, take a second to look at everyone involved and ask ourselves, who do we blame? So this episode was written by uh, Joe Minoski, uh, who you actually pointed out before we started rolling. He's kind of a he's kind of a Trek uh, legacy staple there. He's got he's yeah. got quite he's got quite a Trek legacy. When when it's 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 unique to find a Trek fan who can just pick a writer <laughs> like Joe Minoski and be like, oh hey, it's him. <laughs> like, what, well, yeah, what's I mean, your he experience tends- with with him and his work? Yeah, I mean, I know he's been writing for Trek for a while. I think he was on Next Generation. I think he did some Voyager. I don't know if he did any Deep Space Nine. I think he did some Voyager. Um, I, I thought I saw that he was involved with DS9, yeah. Uh, from what I remember, he does a lot of kind of more character-oriented stories. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, it was interesting, which makes sense for this episode, because this episode is a lot of character beats, right? It's it's Tyler. Oh, yeah. Lots stuff, of character stuff. You know? Yeah. So it makes sense. But it's funny. I always think of these new Trek shows as being like completely different production staff. Oh, um, I gotcha. And so to, to, you know, with the exception of, you know, of course you're going to have Jonathan Frakes back for something. <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> you know? Um, and so to see his name on this episode, it, it kind of makes sense once I see it. Uh, but it's like, Oh, okay. That's, you know, he's, they are bringing some people back from, you know, who did it 20 years ago. 
And, uh, and I think if you were going to bring a legacy writer back for an episode, uh, Joe Minoski for something like this is probably a pretty good, a pretty good call. Um, yeah. You're not, you're not really, not really doing as much of a, uh, you know, high concept sci-fi thing as you are like all these different character interactions. Yeah. And I mean, Sarah, Sarah I, at the end of the day, them. you know, a lot of people, Oh, it's the ship and they're going to meet aliens. No, it's, it's the, it's the people, it's the characters. That's what we mm -hmm. care about. Um, yeah. yeah, for Joe, his first credit was a film called Hiding Out in 1987 that uh, he wrote, uh, was actually uh, co-written with Jeff Rothberg, uh, starring John Cryer as <clears throat> a stockbroker on the run from the mob decides to hide out from them as a high school student. So uh, that sounds nice. like a thank you. That sounds like a maybe a mystery science theater thing in the works. Uh, I, I would love to watch that in, uh, with a bottle of uh, with a bottle of Jack and, <laughs> and make fun of that for sure. Um, his first TV credit was season one, episode three of the FBI crime investigation procedural unsub in 1989. Then he did uh, 36 episodes of Hunter from 87 to 89. Did season one. Uh, episode seven of Alien Nation. And then his first appearance in the franchise was uh, Next Gen season four, episode one, The Best of Both Worlds, part two. He was actually a story editor on that, which, uh, you know, mm -hmm. if you're, if for some reason you're listening to this show and you're not familiar with Best of Both Worlds, stop right now and just go watch that it's so good although i will i will say episode two is the worst of the best of the both worlds <laughs> that's true like the the big the big the big thing is part one uh yeah. it is kind of a legendary episode but then part two kind of wraps it up but the thing is is uh and i spoke about this um maybe a year or so ago on the red shirts podcast uh the big thing is that is that third episode family. This was, act it was actually meant to be a trilogy, yeah, but that is everybody, a great episode. it's such a good episode. I love, and it's a bit of a tear jerker. Uh, I'm not crying. You're crying type of scenario here. <laughs> Pat Patrick um, Stewart yeah. is quite good in that. Oh, I think, so in, good. In that yeah, movie. absolutely. Um, this episode was also written by Ted Sullivan, who graduated from the University of SoCal uh, Film Writing School, where he was also an adjunct professor of screenwriting for a time. His first credit was as an assistant to the writers on episode 10820 of the soap opera As the World Turns, uh, which goes and went on to 33 more episodes of 44 episodes as a writer. Um, it was nominated for a daytime. He was, he was nominated for a daytime Emmys outstanding drama series writing team in 2000. And then he would go on to do episodes of law and order criminal intent, uh, Rizzoli and Isles and revenge and the Marvel comics revenge tie in graphic novel from September, 2014. We've seen a couple of these so far, uh, some folks, uh, crossing mediums from comic books to TV and back. Uh, do you, are you much of a comic book fan at all? Yeah, I um, yeah, I used to be really big in the comics, but more of a DC guy. Um, I'm okay. a big I'm a big Green Lantern fan. I have a pretty extensive Green Lantern comic book collection, nice. uh, and I still buy everything Green Lantern that comes out. But I've kind of I don't read as much as I used to. Um, I kind of I sort of buy. Uh, all the issues as they come out. And then when I go on vacation, I've got a backlog and then I just read everything then. Nice. But, uh, no, yeah, no, I'm, I'm a, a good I'm way to go. Comic, I'm a comic fan for sure. 
Nice. Uh, yeah. There was uh, actually a great Green Lantern Star Trek crossover a couple years ago that I think IDW did. Um, mm-hmm. That was really good. Yeah. Yeah. They've they've done some really great stuff. I think for for most folks, I mean, I'm a big Batman fan, but if there are folks out there that are Star Trek fans, I think a good bridge into comics is probably stuff like Guardians of the Galaxy and mm-hmm. Green Lantern, because, uh, you know, in short, Green Lantern's a space cop. Yeah. Uh, so we're seeing lots of different worlds, lots of different aliens, uh, but it's a human. He's a human in a he's a fish out of water, basically. Yeah. Um, but with, you know, uh, an immense amount of power and all that stuff. So it's it's a lot of fun. I think people mm-hmm. would really dig it. Um, Ted Sullivan would also go on to do four episodes of Supergirl, speaking of the DC universe. Oh, yeah. Uh, from 2015 to 2016. And this is uh, his first of four episodes written in the franchise. Uh, however, he served as co-executive producer on the first two seasons of Discovery minus the Vulcan hello. So mm. he had uh he had his hands in the pot uh from uh, from the get-go pretty much. Uh yeah. this episode was uh directed by Douglas Arniokoski. Um we discussed his uh resume. Um his last appearance was in Short Treks season 1 episode 3 The Brightest Star, which we discussed uh-huh. with comedian Patrick Cunningham back on episode 83. Uh mm-hmm. and that was a great discussion. Um, so I recommend folks check that out in terms of guest stars. Uh, the big one here for us is Mia Kirshner as Amanda Grayson. Uh, she is the first person to play Amanda Grayson in the timeline, but the fifth person to play Amanda Grayson in (laughs) history. Um, just really quickly, we had Jane Wyatt in TOS, uh, journey to Babel. Then we had Majel Barrett voice Amanda Grayson in the animated series yesteryear. Cynthia Blasey in Star Trek V, The Final Frontier, and of course, Winona Ryder in 2009's uh, Star Trek. Mm. But uh, Mia Kirshner graduated from McGill University with a degree in English literature. Her first credit was War of the Worlds, uh, 1989, season two, episode seven. And then she would go on to do 21 episodes of Dracula, the series. I'm not familiar with Dracula. Did you ever see that? No, no, I haven't. I kind of know that was a thing. I, I went through a vampire phase, uh, you know, uh, interview with a vampire, the classic uh, Dracula, of course, Bram Stoker's, uh, you know, mm. Francis Ford Coppola's film. Uh, but yeah, this one, uh, this one got by me. So I might have to, uh, I recently had a, uh, my, my birthday was the day is the day after Christmas. And this year we did oh, nice. a universal monsters theme. So I watched, oh, nice. all the, yeah, I watched all the classic uh, universal monsters. Uh, including Dracula, but uh, yeah, I'll have to seek this one out and see if I can uh, find it. Um, her first film was Cadillac Girls in 1993. She would go on to do The Crow, City of Angels in 1996, not another teen movie in 2001, which her performance got her a nomination for MTV's Movie Awards Best Kiss, which she shared with Beverly uh, Paulson in 2002. Then she would go on to uh, play in the Black Dahlia as the Black Dahlia, Elizabeth Short. Uh, of course, the story about the famous murder out in Los Angeles, um, which was uh, directed by Brian De Palma. The film, not the murder, was directed by Brian De Palma. Um, it also <laughs> stars. Yeah, yeah, that we know of. I mean, <laughs> let's be honest. 
some crazy stuff goes on out in Hollywood, man. <laughs> uh, but the film stars Josh Hartnett, Aaron Eckhart, uh, Scar Joe, and Hillary Swank, and Star Trek Enterprise alums Patrick Fischler and Greg Henry. Uh, this is uh, her first of eight appearances in the franchise. So, uh, Jason, let me ask you uh, the question that I've been asking um, our guests for quite a while now. Is this essential viewing? If somebody is sitting down and watching Star Trek for the first time and they come to this episode, is this one that they need to watch or can they skip it? Yeah, that's interesting. Um, I, I think in the grand scheme of things, my gut says it's a skippable one. But there are some interesting things in here that if somebody wanted to do a deep dive into Star Trek mm -hmm. and and some of the main characters, there's some interesting things to grab here. Um, you learn a lot more about Sarek in this episode than you do in, mm -hmm. in a lot of the others. You know, this this actually might be one of the more insightful Sarek-related episodes. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, I'd agree with um, you on that. And so, so for that reason, you know, it's probably essential. I think in the Prime universe, this might be the, well, it's, it's definitely the first, but it might be the only mention of some of those issues with Spock as a kid. Yeah. Um, you know, that's yeah. touched. You mentioned that's touched on on the 2009 Abrams movie. But again, that's that's not prime universe Spock. That's a divergent universe. And so, of course, so I don't know if I'd call it an essential viewing, but I think if I was doing a list of, you know, essential viewing for certain characters. Um, yeah, I'd put this on the list for probably Sarek, um, maybe even Burnham mm -hmm. um, uh, and maybe Spock. So, yeah, I, yeah I, think say... I think there's some value in it, depending on on what you're trying to what you're trying to accomplish through your through your viewing if you're just talking general like hey i'm gonna throw up you know of the of the 800 plus star trek episodes like what are the what are the 50 to 100 you have to see i don't think this is gonna make it right but right. um but if you're doing more of a deep dive there's there's something to grab onto here yeah i think uh you know i mean i think the easy answer for me is well it's serialized so you kind of have to um, but I think yeah, if you're watching of, season one of discovery, you have to watch this. Episode. Yeah. Yeah. You kind of have to, but I think if you're doing a rewatch, mm. um, and you're trying to get specific on certain character arcs, I think you're absolutely right. I think the characters I would be interesting in following are Tyler Lorca. Uh, yeah. And, and actually I think this episode is kind of a really great precursor, sort of, a a prequel, if you will, to the arc of Spock, like you said, um, showing, you know, this is kind of how things went down and the long lasting effects of a life lived in that uh, oppressive, um, well, perceived oppressive by someone on the so outside. Here's a, here's a question for you. Is yeah. this the first time chronologically that Spock is mentioned? Is he I mentioned so. prior I to think this? So. By, I by name. Yeah. Yeah. I don't, uh, I, I don't, think that, I think I don't this is the first is. mention of Spock by name. Yeah. So that's kind of, that's, that's kind of interesting. Yeah. 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 I like it. Yeah. This is, uh, yeah, this is the first mention of a TOS character. And we're, we're still probably, oh, I mean, we've got two seasons of Discovery and mm -hmm. at least, at least one season of Strange New Worlds to get before we even get close to, uh, to the original series i mean then let's yeah. be honest it's going to be another season of Strange well you'll hit you'll we hit there. the you'll hit the cage in there so if you count that we well, actually you would have already, you already, we already did the cage yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. so we've, you've, we've 
dipped into the original series technically a little bit yeah we actually did that was our season four finale was um we covered the cage with um antarctic press's uh editor-in-chief uh brian denham uh it was a really great discussion and uh brian's a great guy he actually wrote and illustrated airship enterprise which is the steampunk parody of star trek yeah if you if you dig star trek and you like steampunk check out airship enterprise it's it's a lot of fun um yeah yeah so uh jason before we wrap things up first of all thank you so much for carving out the time to sit down with me again and and nerd out over some star trek oh yeah do you have any final thoughts uh before we start to wrap up final thoughts on the episode final thoughts on discovery final thoughts on the franchise final thoughts about your appearance on this show whatever you got (laughs) Well, you know, if I die in my sleep, these will be my final thoughts, period. Uh, hey! That's pretty, that's, pretty, that's pretty morbid. I don't know why my brain just went there. But, oh, man. That uh, better, make, better make them good. No. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, the, the episode the episode's actually pretty good. I, I um, Like I said, I don't, I'm, I'm not a big Discovery fan. Uh, I'm not even a huge fan of most new Trek. I, man, I just, the card in season two was a train wreck. I'm, I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing. Hey, Patreon supporters, you got something to look forward to in the after show. <laughs> but, but um, actually, I do, I do, I do genuinely uh like Strange New Worlds pretty well. Um, yeah. and so, so I think, yeah, you're getting into. But anyway, uh, but I think as far as like I said, watching even just watching this again, you know, I'm reminded that at least when it comes to my taste, um, which I can only speak of my own personal taste. Sure. Uh, season one of discovery is probably a strongest season and and this episode was actually pretty enjoyable um for the most part there's some weird stuff like the the distant tatra mind melt they, they, they take some pretty big liberties with trek lore in here but um, yeah <laughs> but there's some there's some interesting character stuff going on there uh it's definitely moving the plot forward um this was more episodic than i remember a lot of them being you know there was a little bit of oh yeah this is the one where um which man, I don't like. You can't say that about most of these these early. Yeah, that's uh, true. Um, so yeah, I, I had fun watching it. Almost, almost, maybe not quite. It almost makes me want to go back and watch uh, Discovery again. Um, oh, come I, on, I tell Jason. you what, you I, know you I tell you what I do want to do. So, so I did, I did catch a little bit at the end. Um, you know, I was watching it. I think on Paramount, and um, you know, went to the next episode. Yeah, which is magic to make the sanest man go mad. Yeah. And um, I was like, well, I do want to watch that one again. That one's pretty good. <laughs> That's pretty good. That's a pretty good episode. Rain Wilson so, you know, is so watchable as Harry Mudd. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He's, he's good. And that's just a good, that's a pretty good standalone episode too, which I, mm. I miss that in, in newer TV. And I, I think strange new worlds strikes that balance pretty well. Mm. Um, where those, have you, have you watched it? Did you watch oh, it? Yeah. Aired? yeah. Yeah. So, you know, they, they do a pretty good job of There's, there's definitely some, some serialized stuff going on, but the episodes have a, have a beginning, have a middle, have an end, which I, I like that in, in my story. Too. I like both. Um, but everything is so serialized now. Episodic stuff is actually kind of refreshing. Mm, um, yeah. I wouldn't want it to be all one or the other. I think there's, you know, there's a lot of value in both, but um, yeah, no, it's, it's, it's fun. It's, it's, um, it'll be interesting to see, uh, you know, so I've done the chronological view of everything but i did that before any of this new trick stuff happened i've never done it and integrated things like discovery and strange new worlds so you're doing oh, this wow. before before i've even done it um 
And, you know, it's, it's kind of interesting. It kind of almost makes you want to just go back to that point. Watch, you know, Terra Prime, The Cage, first two seasons of Discovery, Strange New Worlds, and then get into the beginning of TOS just to kind of see what that feels like. It's, it's a really, it's, yeah, for me, sorry to cut you off. It's, yeah, to be honest, this is the, this is the first time I've done it too. And watching and going from Demons and Terra Prime into The Cage and, you know, those first few, those first few uh, short treks and then, you know, getting into the Vulcan hello, it's, it's been a really interesting little snippet of just kind of like, Oh, this is everything you're going to see. Here's from the TNG era to the pilot, to some of the new stuff, like all in one little chunk. It's, it's pretty neat. I I recommend it. (laughs) So what are you going to do? See, this is where it gets tricky. Um, So you'll be well into TOS by the time strange new world season two comes out how are you gonna how are you gonna do that for the podcast oh the stuff's well, gonna come out that chronologically happens before what you're watching like you're pretty safe with like the picard stuff you know because that's all gonna be you know oh gonna, that's yeah that's that yeah that's long down the road uh, um, strange new world is gonna is gonna mess with you and even discovery because now it's in the future you know so uh, for those who haven't looked at the chronology site and again spoilers but at the end of season two discovery goes into the far 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 future yeah and um (laughs) the choice that i I made on the site was you know not because the entirety of the show from that point takes place in that time period um i actually moved that so basically end of season two it'll go into strange new worlds and discovery won't pop back up on your chronological radar until for a couple well, it'll of be years. the last thing you watch pretty much yeah <laughs> um, yeah it'll be a while it'll be a yeah. while um so you won't run into that issue with Discovery, but you will run it. yeah it'll be interesting yeah i think uh the plan is um i'm kind of having to play loosey-goosey here um you know whereas with enterprise and a couple of other things i was able to group a couple of episodes together you know especially a lot of two-parters and stuff like this mm. and i thought coverings the serialized star trek would actually be more difficult but it actually lends to the to the structure of this podcast because i can just cover one at a time and take some breaks here you know i the way i structure the podcast is uh i release weekly and then take a break in the summer around my wife's birthday and then i take another break just before the holidays um, because that's our wedding anniversary. And then over the holidays is where I do, uh, a few sporadic recordings, but I do like some bonus episode type stuff and kind of have that banked, um, you know, in case gotcha. something comes up, um, you know, and, and, and we'll get into that more in the future, uh, as, uh, things are developing for the podcast, but the long and short of it is, I think I'm going to try to stay on course with just recording uh one a week and if i get ahead i may end up you know pumping the brakes a little bit and taking a break or doing more bonus episodes or more interviews with folks um i recently made contact with someone who has put some star trek uh work out into the world i don't want to let the cat out of the bag just yet but um Sure. I made contact with this person and they will be coming on uh, at the end of this season for an interview just about them and their work. Um, 
So, you know, we're yes. going to be doing some things like that. And, and uh, again, stuff like uh, the fantasy drafts and, you know, a couple of other, I, w- I want to have a couple of group discussions of I've had, at, I was weird the other day. I was looking at the guest list of everyone that's come on the show so far. And I realized I have a lot of veterans that have come on the show. I have a lot of uh, folks that are involved in, um, uh, in artwork. There are a lot of different artists. I've had a lot of different authors. Um, I've had some folks from the religious community. Um, I've had a lot of comedians come on. So I think I might end up doing some panel discussions um, and having, yeah. Cause I mean, largely the show is this, it's sort of the one-on-one discussions, but I think in the future it will be more bonus episodes to make sure I can kind of stay caught up with the franchise as it releases. Um, Mm. And I'm just trying to, I'm just trying to stay on my toes, man. And just trying to make sure I can (laughs) uh, (laughs) juke juke where I've got a juke, you know, (laughs) but um, again, Jason, thank you so much. One other final thought. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just uh, because I couldn't think of it earlier, the episode, and you're coming up on it. I think you're like three or four away. Well, what are we at? One, let me see. One, two, three, four more. Four out is uh, despite yourself. So that's oh, yes. the one where they will reference the defiant. And at this point, in chronologically, as you're watching through the show, you're like, "What is this? Some ship from the future? What the heck is that about?" And that won't be answered for quite some time until you watch the Tholian web and then in a mirror darkly, and then. Those references in despite yourself will actually make sense. <laughs> oh wow. But it's yeah, that, it's that weird it's that weird time loop thing. But yeah, you're coming up on it. So yeah. Uh, there we've got some really great stuff in store because um and I've said it before, uh, we're also gonna be covering some comic books. We're gonna be covering mm-hmm. some fan films, especially if they've been structured to tie directly into the franchise in a particular oh, yeah. in a particular spot. Mm-hmm. Um so we're going to do our best to stay on track, yeah, but <laughs> needless to say, well, hey I mean, man, more, more, more power to you. That's quite thanks. the undertaking. You know, I mean, I, I, uh, took me a while to make the list and then it took me, it took me about a year and a half, I think to watch through it all. Um, wow. and that was fairly aggressive. I mean, I was watching a couple episodes a day and, mm. um, and that was before any of the new stuff. So, you know, there's, I think there was, there were under 800 episodes or 700 something then yeah and yeah. and uh so to actually podcast about each of them and then some is uh you're, you're in for a long haul man yeah <laughs> more, more power to you, hey, uh, you yeah, made I, it, you've made it pretty far i mean you you threw enterprise i mean that's you're doing well you're doing they well. say uh they say mode most podcasts don't make it past episode three and even fewer episodes, uh, even fewer shows make it past episode 20. Mm. This is episode 92. So oh, well done. Well done. I, I think we're doing okay. <laughs> you, you, you almost have enough for syndication. Almost. Almost. We're very close. <laughs> we're so, so close. close. <laughs> <laughs> well, Jason, thank you so much again for uh, taking the time and coming and nerding out with me. Uh, well, folks. Remember when I said we'd be taking some big strides toward bigger and better things for the show? Next week, we will be joined by Star Trek Enterprise series regular Connor Trenier to discuss Discovery Season 1, Episode 7, Magic to Make the Sanest Man Go Mad, which is available exclusively on Paramount+. Plus. Jason, 
what do you have going on that people can uh, follow on the internet and where can people bother you directly on the internet? Yeah. Um, I don't have a huge internet presence. So the best, the uh, best thing. So if you're interested in some of the stuff we were talking about here today, you can check out the Star Trek Technology project, which again, best way to do that is just Google it. Um, but if you want the address, it's the Star Trek chronology project.blogspot.com. Um, yeah, it's an old blogspot site, but Hey, whatever. And, um, that's that's about it i'm on reddit as uh jay keys gamer so and i'm on a lot of the star trek you know reddit sites and things like that so you can uh, if you really want to reach out you can find me on there um on the official star trek site they gave me a little badge the chronology creator thing they they, they put it on there so i don't know what that means but it might be a way to, to find me um uh other than that i um yeah i don't i don't do a ton online i'm not really a social media guy um but it's just fun coming on doing doing stuff like this. So yeah, fun fun talking to you. We really appreciate it, man. And I am at Mr. Todd A. Davis on all of the socials. From all of us at the Computer Resume Podcast, thank you so much for listening. And I'll see you at 10 Forward. Like, rate, review, and share on all your favorite platforms. Feel free to send us your subspace transmissions to computerresumepodcasts at gmail.com or at Computer Resume on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok. The Computer Resume Podcast was created and produced by Mr. Todd A. Davis. Our logo was designed by Will Martin and Justin Bishop. The opening theme was produced by Justin Bishop. And our outro music was provided with permission by Dronode. Additional music was provided by Mr. Todd A. Davis and Gary Horn. And the voice of Computer Resume Podcast and executive producer, me, Kat Davis. Hashtag LLAP. We'll see you next time. Going through a Star Trek. We're doing Star Trek stuff in space. We probably got some phasers and shuttle pods, and we're going to find a brand new race. What about that mumbo jumbo I heard about Slap Chef being just abject violence against women? Slap Chef. How's that for a slice of fried gold? I'm your host, writer comedian, Mr. Tide Davis. Take that again. <laughs> My words started to slur together. I've done this thing so many times. (laughs) All right. (laughs) One more time with feeling. Here we go. Did you hear my dog groan? No. (laughs) I did not. Max, you can't be a part of the recap. (laughs) What's up, dog? You you didn't watch the episode. Yeah. (laughs) My dog. (laughs) Nice. Nice. (laughs) He's a good boy, but he... God, he wants to be a part of every episode. (laughs) That's great. All right. Let's try this again.